Hi, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Tiffany. And welcome to The Health Show. Welcome back, guys, and thank you for tuning in for our second series, The Year of the Arts, Episode 10, Domestic Violence. Does it make, does it matter if you live? Did you know, according to NCADA, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. And 48.4% of women, 48.8% of men, have experienced at least one psychologically aggressive behavior by an intimate partner. According to the National Domestic Violence Hotline.org, 76 for women murdered by an intimate partner were stalked first. And 85% of women who survived murder attempts were stalked. Mm. Did you know that according to NCADA, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotline nationwide. Also, according to NCAD.org, women who earn 65% or more of their household income are more likely to be psychologically abused than women who earn less than 65% of their household income. According to nationaldomestichotline.org, of femicide victims who have been physically assaulted before their murderer were also stalked in the last year prior to their murderer. This month has been a tough month for the help show. We lost a dear friend, Donna Alexander, to domestic violence. Donna, we love you and we miss you. If you know someone that needs help or even if you need help, call National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 1-800-799-7233. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. I have an amazing, a special, special guest here today um, with The Help Show. Um, her name is Kim Olusanya, and she's a woman of, of greatness. Um, I'm going to let her tell you guys a little bit about herself and then also about her nonprofit. Um, but one thing I want you guys to know, she is a survivor. So, Olu Sanya, Miss, let's we'll say Kim. I'm, I'm now I'm getting to say Olu Okay, Kim. Yes, it works. It works, Kim. Okay. <laughs> so, Kim, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, my name is Kim. They call me Kim O, but it's Kim Olu Sanya, uh, and I am a wife. I child of God, mother, and um, I am a domestic violence survivor. Um, I actually pride myself on taking the experience and thriving, actually. Um, and that's what made me start my nonprofit, which is Action with Compassion Dallas. And what I do is I, I like to teach women and show women how they can leave a very abusive, when, it, when I say abusive, I'm in, including um, emotional, verbal abuse, and physical abuse as well. And not only survive, but actually thrive and, and be a champion for other victims to look forward to, look forward to for guidance. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that you said, you know what, you're going to thrive from this. I'm, I have survived this. And, and Absolutely. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, so for people that really don't know about domestic violence, how would you describe, how would you define domestic violence? Um, it's domestic violence is, it is so common. Um, so when I describe it, I like to remind everyone that one in four women in the United States alone experience it every 20 seconds. Mm. Um, And it can be verbal, where you are, you know, called names and, you know, put down like, you, you know, cook well, you are ugly, you need to lose weight. It can be financial. You mm-hmm. have men that are abusing your credit, mm-hmm. you know, taking money from you, 
Yeah. You have, um, and then you have where it's actually physical and you're being hit. And some women, unfortunately, they feel like, oh, he hit me, I hit him back. That's not, I'm not a victim. You are. Right. It's abuse. Um, so it's very, very common. And um, unfortunately, it, and it starts very early. Girls in high school are experiencing it daily. Yeah. So. And so why do you think abusers abuse? Um, actually, I think some of it is uh, learned behavior. Right. They were in a household with abusers. Right. And, and some of them, I, I think that it is um, uh, personal, uh, mental, they're depressed, they're feeling insecure, uh, they're not achieving what they should, and they take it out on the person that's closest to them. Uh, that definitely was my situation um, with um, my previous husband. He was, um, you know, a rising star athlete in high school, college, got hurt, yeah. and, you know, that was, that was it. So I think um, that is definitely... Um, some of the reasons, but um, but it's important for the person who is being the victim to realize that there's nothing they can do right. to to stop them or help them. There's no fixing. They have to they have to heal on their own to correct that. Okay. And what makes leaving abuse difficult? What what makes it difficult? But what was it difficult for you? What made it, what I think what, I know what made it difficult for me, I was, um, it wasn't a, it was a gradual effect. So, and I was already married and I grew up in a household with, my parents are still married. Mm -hmm. So divorce just didn't, isn't, that's a different shame. Right. You know, that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother entire topic, right. but I didn't want my marriage to fail. And it wasn't that he woke up one day and just hit me. Right. It was just, it was a slow progression of comments and things that just slowly took from you. Right. And so what happens is, is that once the physical started, I was already so broken emotionally right. until I was confused mm -hmm. and since I didn't hear women talking about it right. and things so I'm thinking this is just happening to me right you know and and so that was that shame and embarrassment behind it so you actually kind of hide it and I think a lot of reasons that's why a lot of women you know stay they don't want to they don't want to say that this is happening to them right you know, because there's definitely a stigma. Well, why did you, you know, why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? Right. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really being, saying that you're a victim of something, you know, just makes people embarrassed and ashamed. So they hide it. That's why I think a lot of people stay in it, especially if you have kids. Right. If you're financially you know, attached to someone. Right, and then you have children. And you have like children. That. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's like you're thinking about your child, you're thinking about the structure of your child's whole being. Yes. You're thinking, am I letting my child down because I'm leaving the, the father? Yeah. It's so many. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot of different reasons. Everyone has their own reason for staying, but uh, that's why I personally stay. What is the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship that you can um, the most dangerous when it's your physical, it's, this is a two part question yeah. where it's physically most dangerous is once you're being hit okay. because it can easily escalate to, uh, a firearm, which happened in my case, okay. or, I mean, you can be beat to death right. as a young lady happened. Just my friend. Exactly. Yes. So, I mean, so bad. But to me, when um, verbal abuse is the most dangerous because it's taking pieces from you. Right. I mean, and um, it does the most lasting damage, honestly. Right. That, that was the hardest thing for me to heal 
was the uh, emotional damage and self-doubt that he placed in me. Right. I, and, and that is hard. It's, uh, it's like a, a wound can heal. Yes. A sore can heal. You get a scab, you pull a scab off, it heals. But that inner emotional... Yes, it, yes. it, it makes you self-doubt. Yes. yes. So, yes. Um, so how, how has domestic violence impacted your life? Um, it, it, it initially affected me the fact that I gained about 200 pounds, um, over the course of about two years, almost two years, about 18 months, because when my physical abuse started, mm-hmm. that's when I really packed on the weight. It's almost as if I was using food to like self medicate or to hide right you know and um so yes i i went to max 326 pounds so um being a a victim of domestic violence didn't almost just cost my life because he pulled a gun on me but um it i had an eating disorder right oh wow oh wow um and so what are your warning signs of abusive and unhealthy relationships? Um, I would say as soon as it's okay to have an argument right. and a disagreement, that's couples are going to have that. Yes. Relationships are going to have that. Yes. But when a, an argument or a disagreement leaves you feeling less, you're crying because you're feeling bad and wounded. When you're called names right those are all the flags in the world because now you're not arguing now you're being attacked right so and you're being verbally, verbally attacked verbally attacked so tell us how people so we're getting ready to wrap this up which i could talk to you forever but i'm learning to like cut these um, podcasts short because you'll be like girl it's um an hour later we need to wrap this up Nayeta. So tell us how people can help themselves of their loved ones that survived domestic violence. Well, first, I always want people to know that since it is such a common problem, is that if you see something, then you should say something and you should ask. Um, When I was packing on the weight, Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't learn this until after I left my uh, previous husband, but my dad actually warned the family because hmm. we were coming to a family reunion that Kim has gained a lot of weight. Okay. So he didn't want anyone to like gasp or say anything okay. because he didn't want to hurt my feeling. Right. But no one said, why in the world has this child gained Gain weight. 200 yeah. pounds? Right. So my thing is what I want to say for people with their family and friends. If you, if you see any behavior that is abnormal, out of the norm, this person is acting differently, then you should ask. And and be have that relationship to where you really want them to know. You really want them to answer. You know, some people say, uh, are you okay? But hoping you're like, oh, no, you know, check on us. Right. Check on, you know, check mm-hmm. on each other. Check on, check on your family, friends, your sisters. So, um, but I would say the first thing you need to do is after you leave. Okay. And this is something that my nonprofit does. I'm doing um, classes, seminars, is to steps to put your life going forward okay because it's not just surviving right you know it is putting it's finding a new path for yourself so um i have i do classes on you know your resume writing planning you know job skills Mm -hmm. interview career coaching I mean, I really feel that the the best way to move past that mm-hmm. is to say, let me start a new path for myself, my right. family, right. to get us in the direction that I want to go. Right. And um, so, because sometimes, yes, I need shelter right. and uh, a safe place to lay my head, but mm-hmm. then I need someone to help me do a path to live again to get out to live to thrive I mean because that's what I mean God 
put that in us. Each and every one, we have the ability. Mm -hmm. And being a, a domestic violence survivor, you lost something, right? And so we have to get that back. You do, you do, and it, and it takes time. It, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I also was seeing. I also checked your website out. It's very lovely. Oh, thank um, you. You do the resumes uh -huh. and jobs yes. searching, oh, yes, and then also I um, noticed that she does your credit clean. So your credit oh, yes, clean, absolutely. So. You made a statement. You can be um, violence with, um, like, abusing your credit. Someone is abusing your finances. Mm -hmm. And so you're at a place where you need a new job. you mm -hmm. got to <laughs> revamp your whole life Absolutely. and basically revamp your credit as well. Absolutely. And so um, I thought that was, I th I thought that was um, a great start. You know, to me, those are all, like, outer shells, but those help you out a lot. To, yes. to move forward in life. Yes. So you still need that counseling. Mm -hmm. You still need someone to, to to listen to the issues that have occurred. But also, you do have to live. <laughs> you do have to thrive. You do. You do. And a lot of women, especially uh, women that maybe are more so in my situation, because right. it wasn't that um, I couldn't, you know, I was going to be homeless or anything. Right. But... You know, your your husband gave you like a little. You had a place. I was this person's wife. This right. this statue. Mm -hmm. So now I need to find my own voice, my own space, my right. own way to uh, to plant myself and blossom. And mm -hmm. so um, I I wanted to be that next step right. for women. Right. You know, to say you know yes. Yeah, you got somebody over here helping you. You got yes. somebody else. Yeah. Just come on over here. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, I got you. Come to Kim. I got you. <laughs> I like that. Um, so tell us, um, what, what can you, okay, what can the law do to protect survivors? So what do you think, what do you think the law could do to, to protect the survivors? Like, give us this what is, think, I Kim. can tell you for a fact is that when... A person is removed from the home. Yeah. They should not be able to bond out the same day and go home. They should not. You know what? I'm with you with that, Kim. <laughs> I don't understand that. I, uh, I will never understand it. And I think that the restraining order um, process should be easier. You know, uh, and not only that is the when that when they break the restraining order, right. there should be consequences of mandatory two weeks, three something, right? To to have that fam that woman or that man, if it's the the other way around, yeah. safe. Yeah. I, I honestly think that um, just in like in my case, the police officer told me. Well, the restraining order is just a sheet of paper. Are you sure you want to file it? <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. And you was it's, like, yes, I, I want to file this it. restraining order. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very it's very serious, you know. It's so it's, and I went to the Fort Worth District Attorney with Silk Littlejohn. She uh -huh. was. Um, she's a domestic violence uh, survivor who's blind because mm. her husband beat her routinely in her head oh, and no. she lost her sight oh, no. and they actually uh you know he was in jail from repeated violating restraining orders and he would just it was like he'd bail out and come back again bail out and come back again oh, so goodness. i really feel that that needs to be changed i think it should be some mandatory mandatory hold times when you violate restraining orders i think so too so that yeah. is that's something easy to me they could do to help protect women. And last but not least, oh, I don't want you to go. <laughs> oh, no. How can people find you? How can people find your nonprofit? How, like, you know, I know right now you have an event coming up, right? Yes, yes. Which I didn't mention that. I was going to have her mention it, but I was so excited because I will be attending. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I have a couple of things coming up. Uh, okay. 
uh, Essie is doing a fashion show at Fair Park okay. um, on November 1st. Yes. Uh, at 7 p.m. My charity, Action with Compassion Dallas, is the beneficiary of this show. Okay. And um, I just love her. When I first started, uh -huh. she was the first designer that I contacted to uh, let me borrow her clothes and everything for my fashion show. And she showed up and showed out. <laughs> And she's fantastic, and so I'm walking in her show. Oh wow! And and everything. So I'm I'm really excited about that. And then I'm the following week. I'm speaking at the Women of Purpose Conference, okay. which is at Concord Baptist Church. Okay. Um, wow! It's going to be amazing. Oh, so I'm I'm just I'm, I'm really um, excited okay. of what's going on because I'm determined to make domestic violence not to be an October month issue. Most definitely, <laughs> it's every day. It's every day. What was the number so, again? Can you can you please repeat that number again? It's one in four. Yes, every how many seconds? Twenty. In the U.S., that's only in the U.S. and it's oh. one in four. Oh, wow. So that is, it's epidemic. I mean, if there was any disease that was affecting one in four Americans every 20 seconds, it would be an outcry. But oh because it's women being beat, it's... And you know what? You know, men too. Oh, yes. Violence is violence. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And, and I just, you know, I just feel like... Um, with me social me being becoming a social worker me in the field of social work mm -hmm. and then also with me um counseling you just learn like you said it, it is truly a learned behavior yes it's just like racism yeah those are all learned behaviors, learned behaviors. Yes. and so if you see something repetitively what, what are you going to do you do the you, same you're going to act out that behavior and so you know i just those that are the abusers get some help Yes. Those that are being abused, get some help. Yes. Get to safety. Talk to someone you can, um, that can comfort you, that can move you to a safe place. It's not a game. It's not a joke. I just lost my friend, Donna Alexander, the anger room, to domestic violence. Mm -hmm. It's not a game. Um, Kim, I want to say thank you. Oh, so we, hold on, before, because, you know, I'll be like, okay, before before we leave, so you told them how to get to your website? Did you? Yeah, it's, well, I'm Kim Olusanya, O-L-U-S-A-N-Y-A.com. Okay. There, and it has a link for my nonprofit, but you can go to Action with Compassion. Okay. .com. Okay. And there I am, too. Okay. And then also, she's on um, Instagram? Oh, yes. Kim Olusanya. Kim O. Yeah, looking, <laughs> looking fabulous. <laughs> looking absolutely gorgeous. Um, that, is, uh, that is on there and Facebook, too. So, yes. Okay. Um, Kim, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We call that the TTT at the Help Show. Okay. Um, we really appreciate you coming and speaking about um, about your journey, and your journey is still going. It's, it's, still going. it's not even, it's not even clearly not over yet. Yes. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story. Tell us about your nonprofit. Um, thank you guys, and stay tuned. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to the Help Show. So guess what, guys? This month on the Help Show, we decided to interview our very own co-host Tiffany Lindley. She's smart. She's beautiful. And most important, she's licensed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> she's a licensed therapist and has over five years experience in domestic violence. So let's get this interview rocking and rolling. So, Tiffany. Thank you for that weird intro <laughs> First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you. Even though you are our co-host, we appreciate you so much at the Help Show. Um, all the work that you do for the Help Show. And you, you know, being an advocate and also a therapist of domestic violence. That's just like, I smell the cake. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's good to have your experience appreciated because that was a big part of my, my training and my just development as a therapist early in my career. So Okay. So... Since the early part of your career, so tell the audience a little about you, a little bit about yourself and your in domestic violence. Okay, well, my name is Tiffany Lindley. Like she mentioned, I'm a licensed professional counselor supervisor. 
um, I did my first clinical internship as a counselor at New Beginning Center in Garland. It's a domestic violence agency. It's now Hope Star New Beginning Center. It merged with the domestic violence agency in Plano. And while there, I worked as a counseling intern, play therapist. Uh, I ran groups for victims of domestic violence, both in the shelter and in the outpatient center. I ran groups for battering intervention and prevention, which is the program for uh, offenders. Um, and then I moved into prevention and intervention. So I did um, what was called Res Expect Respect, a program we went to high schools and middle schools and talked about healthy relationships, what is domestic violence, how to communicate, and also bullying prevention, because all those things kind of go together in the world of domestic violence. Okay. So for those that don't know what is domestic violence, what is domestic violence? So domestic violence is a systemic pattern in a relationship centered around power and control. So imagine a big circle and in the circle in the middle is power and control and all the little pie wedges around it are the different things that constitute domestic violence. So you have emotional abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, um, using children if that's a part of the relationship, denial, blame, uh, minimization. So you can Google this, just power control wheel. It's the perfect uh, image and I used it all the time when training and teaching about domestic violence. It works in a pattern. It, you know, One incident of yelling at a boyfriend or girlfriend is not abusive, but when the pattern creates one partner having more power control than the other, then you're probably smack in the middle of an abusive relationship. And we call dating violence usually for younger people between, you know, 13 and 19, uh, but they're interchangeable. Dating violence just means there's probably not a marriage involved versus domestic, which typically means that the partners could live together, they couldn't live together, and it can even happen when they're not in a relationship. So it's very complex, but we just use domestic violence to use to talk about the whole uh, inst instance of abusive and controlling relationships. Okay. And is domestic violence only physical? Well, you know what? You just... Um... I kind of answered it, but no, it's still a good question because <laughs> a lot of people think it's not an abuse relationship so somebody gets hit. And it really starts when the person who's being victimized starts to feel less than in the relationship. Because think about it, uh, and this is how I would approach it with my teens, like, why would you date somebody you don't really like? Yeah, that's true. Cause... And if somebody acts like they don't like you, why do you want to be with them? Right, again? Ain't nobody that cute. Yeah, that's I mean, true. some cute people in the world. <laughs> And, I, and when I was teaching it, this was like right around Rihanna and Chris Brown. So oh, wow. I literally talked about them for 18 months. Oh, like wow. Two whole school years because it was so present. But I'm like, these are two of the most beautiful people in the world. And if they can be in a abusive relationship, what makes you think they, you know, it couldn't happen to you? Right. Uh, but also to, to show that there's no face necessarily. There doesn't have to be physical violence. It usually starts with other behaviors. So. Um, you know, you can have a purely emotionally abusive relationship, never have a hand laid on you right. and still be in a domestic violence situation and still get services. So, right. Okay. Okay. And so for people that don't know who are truly, the, who are the victims? Well, one in four women have experienced some type of abuse in a relationship and about one in seven men. Uh, oh, wow. When it comes to just in general, just some type of abusive behavior. Okay. Uh, when you get specific on the specific types of violence, it can get a little smaller. And uh, the one in four has been around for about the last 15 years. So I'm not sure if that's increased because more people are talking about it or if it's still just kind of that same rate. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, teenagers, women, men, same sex relationships, um, you know, older, younger person, a wealthy person, a poor person, middle class, like there really is no one type of victim. Now it does have a more um, incidence in lower income families just because of added stress of poverty. Right. Um, but you know, even in higher income families, you know, it's, it's the rate of it being reported that's kind of low, but it does happen. And I mean, we can probably think of celebrity examples all the time of I want to say even Aretha Franklin had an abusive marriage at one point in, you know, in her career. Right. Just Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. That was one of the people you used on the, on the Instagram. Yeah. He's right. wealthy, talented, a male. Yeah. And he was victimized by his partner. Now, a lot of people love to play the blame game, but blame right. is also a tool of abuse because what it does is not the, the abuser doesn't take responsibility for their actions. Right. So even if he did cheat on his wife or whatever, that doesn't give her the right, the to, right to physically assault him. Right. <laughs> and, but well, you cheated, so you deserve this. That's, that's a blame game. That's, that's manipulation. It's not 
healthy or respectful relationship behavior. So, um, so yeah, anybody can be a victim, not to scare you, but right. just be aware of how you're being treated in your relationships because it doesn't, like nothing about your demographic is going to protect you from being victimized if you don't recognize the signs. So she's answering all, she's basically, the questions I'm going to ask her, she's already totally um, answered them. I'm like, can men be victims of domestic violence? Yeah. yeah. You, you answer that like Richie. Right. Um, <laughs> all night long all night long okay um also who are the abusers okay um now abusers it actually is a little bit of a you can kind of use demographics in a way not necessarily male versus female more males do commit or are you know prosecuted for crimes but it's really more of if they grew up in an abusive home if they have a history of bullying or behavior in their childhood um other demographics that you know they come from uh, a family where there's some type of conflict or trauma very early so anything that could create a person that feels like they don't have a lot of power they Mm -hmm. try to take power from other people that's what kind of makes a abuser Um, and these people can be very charming they can have great personalities again be very attractive um, very intelligent and so those good qualities kind of cover up the behavior and really you have to look at somebody's behavior because it doesn't make them a bad person but it is bad behavior okay okay so is there any way to tell that someone will be abusive in the relationship well you I mean you, you you know if you're swiping on tinder like you, you can't <laughs> quite know if you read that person's profile there may be some signs you know i like to be in control or huh. it's my way or the highway or you huh. know uh if they have like negative um, communication online, hopefully you'll catch that early. And usually that turns people off. So they usually aren't like that. They're very charming, like I said. Uh, they can be very um, warm and just flirtatious early on. They give mm. you a lot of attention very early. Mm. So um, the red flags is what we call them. They're the behaviors where you're like, hmm, something's a little bit off. So mm. some early jealousy. Mm. Like uh, say you are dating someone and you want to go out with your friends. Maybe you've been dating like three weeks. Uh, so you don't go out with me no more? Like, no, it's just my first birthday. <laughs> you should see your face with this had scenario. This about like a month ago before I met you. And uh, yeah. Okay, I see how it is, you know. I guess I mean, your friends are going to be more important to me, you know. Manipulation. They use their emotions to make you feel bad or guilty. Oh my goodness. You make... I, I've done this. <laughs> oh my God. You make me... Am I abusive? Oh my God. Right. Oh my God, it's behavior. I mean, I, I felt like I was an actress every day working at those high schools because I would have to, I would switch it on and off and they'd be like, oh, wow, it's that easy. I'm like, yeah, it's that easy. I'm not abusive. I'm just a good actress. But right. someone who you think is a really nice, sweet, kind person, if they're showing those signs, don't ignore that. So right. like I said, jealousy, calling too much, mm. um, sending those back-to-back texts when you're not responding. Where you at? Miss you. <gasps> Ooh, so, you're gonna, so you're not going to answer my text? Again, this is all within like a 20, 30 minute period, like, you know, I could have been on the toilet. I don't, may oh not, maybe God. I don't use it. Am I abusive? Oh my God, I got okay. diagnosed myself. Okay, so it's not, you know. <laughs> so jealousy, um, just too much contact. Right. Uh, trying to tell you that, you know, to who to hang around. Like, yeah. I don't really like her, she little, or I, he, um, you know, I don't need him around you because he's a bad influence versus trusting your partner to know how to make their own decisions. Correct. And, you know, even if your friend is not like the model person, doesn't right. mean I can't love and care for this person and respect you as my partner at the same right. time. But an abuser will try to convince you that the people you're around are important in order to isolate you. Isolation is another form of abuse. So you got jealousy, calling too much, uh, telling you who to hang out with, um, trying to take up all your time. Mm. Um, Again, making you feel guilty a lot, you know, uh, maybe rough physically. Like, they like to just slap and hit just to be fun. Like, oh, I'm just playing. Mm-hmm. And when you tell the person that it's, you're uncomfortable with it, they don't respect it. Yeah. I mean, you, you're overreacting. They minimize your feelings. Huh. Um, so it just starts with those little trickles. And then uh, when they get angry, they may blow up and then they apologize real quickly. But you never really process what happened. You never really get your feelings out. They try to, you know keep you from expressing how you feel about it and just make you accept their bad behavior or their anger. Hmm. So um, it can be very, it can be gradual. Sometimes it happens quickly. I mean, my very first client when I was a therapist, um, 
she I was doing her intake and she was just I was like so tell me the first time that something violent or abusive happened in your mind so we try to get the perspective of the client right uh of what they recognize it's like well she was like well on our second day he pulled out a, a tech nine on me and and pinned me on the floor and said if you ever leave me I'll kill you um I was like second day second day again my first client I'm like okay <laughs> yeah I I was very shocked I'm like so what I don't see how you could have not continue that relationship out of fear but you know that's when you you immediately get the the authorities involved but yeah yeah take nine i i wouldn't okay take nine where we going because i just want to live today yeah um she was with that partner for about two years and uh i didn't end up working with her individually We, we made a lot of progress but she was you know had divorced and it was a lot of lot of work to get out of that relationship but sometimes it starts right away sometimes you know you've been together a year and then all of a sudden this person turns violent i've heard of marriages where the courtship was perfectly healthy Mm -hmm. and then the day that person got married the physical violence happened and they you know and that abuser took that power control in one fell swoop so um now if we examine that healthy relationship we probably would see the signs but if again you don't wait till somebody hits you and puts their hands on you to, to recognize that you're not being treated with respect right wow yeah i, I got some stories we were talking cool girl <laughs> so is it true that boys who witness domestic violence at home grow up to be abusers and girls who um and girls vice versa same thing grow up to be victimized yeah to be vict- victimized who well, seek abusive know, of course, partners in psychology is always correlation not causation but the research does show that it can be as high as a 40% chance of people repeating their parents' uh, behavior in the what they witnessed if they were victimized or they were abusive. But now, because of you know gender equality and, uh-huh. and girls being empowered, they're also taking on some of those traditionally male roles. And a lot younger girls are being abusive in dating relationships. When I was doing my uh, community education, I oh, mean, wow. my, I would have teenage boys you know talk to me after class like, "Yo, I think my girlfriend's abusive, miss." Like she. Look at look at all these text messages. Like she been calling me, or she threatening to kill herself. Like yeah. So you know now that's like a, a bad benefit of equality in society that the bad behaviors are being uh, absorbed by you know f- female uh, people versus it just being a male problem. But right. um, doesn't make a difference. But yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. That like the research consistently shows anywhere from forty to sixty percent of a. Uh, Correlation between, yeah, being growing up in that home and uh, actually exhibiting that behavior as an adult. Oh, wow. Um, So why don't victims leave the first sign of abuse? And why do you feel um, they feel trapped? Just like you were talking about the the young lady that you had at the client Mm -hmm. and that the the boy, baby, he pulled a tech nine. I'm still on a tech nine. Because she said a good, I was like, just again, I was a young therapist. I was curious. I was like, oh, what kind of weapon? What's because I was just trying to stall so I wouldn't like freak out yeah. and she was like yeah like a tech nine like a and she showed me the size I'm like okay yeah so where did he hide that that's right he said and she gave me thank god for my like crazy photographic memory but she said he pulled it out the closet they were going out for their date and he pulled out the closet slammed the door and pinned her on the floor with the gun in her man in her in her face like she acted it out for me in the session so I was like Okay, yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would have went. Y'all just went to the movies after? She and, was like, yeah. Yeah, and then I would have just um, left at the movies and he would never saw me again. No, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't it know. took her a long time. It took her a long time. But yes, um, <laughs> at the first sign of abuse, because again, most people just don't recognize the red flags. Uh-huh. Um, and again, people make mistakes. We all have bad behavior. I, you know, I've been jealous in relationships before. We've all, you know, maybe texted a few times too many or Girl, didn't yes. like a friend that our partner had. But most of us are able to check ourselves when somebody checks us. Like, yo, babe, like that's like, that's my best friend. Like, okay, I understand. You know what? Just because we don't get along, maybe I can give him a chance to get to know him versus, well, I don't care. It's either me or him. Giving those yeah. tomatoes. That's another kind of sign so again we all have bad behavior so it is kind of hard to know what it's going to develop into but sometimes you just got to trust your gut yeah that good um, yeah and feeling trapped you know that's really what that mental manipulation does it makes you feel like you're the one that's being crazy you're the one that's tripping you're the mm-hmm. one that's always emotional when in reality the abuser is the one that's always up and down yeah they're manipulating your emotions and you have to be you know the victim has to be even kill and calm all the time in order to kind of minimize problems. Again, if you feel like you're walking on eggshells in your relationship, probably something's wrong. If you can't just be yourself, like to be loved is to feel free in a way. And so 
it's a trapped feeling because that's how the abuser intends it to be. That's what that power control uh, looks like. Okay. So what help is available for victims of domestic violence? Um, well, just so you know, like domestic violence as a concept, as a field, didn't really start until like the seventies after the women's movement. Oh, wow. Um, I want to say maybe the first laws about like marital rape didn't really get on the books till like the early eighties. Like it, it was a feminist movement for one, because women were victimized more and we can go all the way back into feminist history You know, women didn't have a right to vote, women didn't have right. their own property. Right. So as a uh, time progressed and psychology was you know and all of these things people were able to recognize it so i want to say some of the first domestic violence shelters so just like safe places for women to leave their husbands or partners and go and be safe started in the late 70s mm -hmm. um in the dallas area i want to say the, the new beginning center started in like the late 80s early 90s so they had a shelter and then they expanded to outpatient services because you know, getting help was kind of like an underground thing. Like right. you didn't want people to know where the shelter was because abusers are very crafty. Yeah. And that you know, this is before the internet, so that was some like real stalking back in the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> you you were looking in the phone book, you not googling addresses, you know. So uh, so yeah. So once you know there was federal funding. I want to say the early '90s, federal funding started of like sponsoring programs, and so uh, I want to say well, one of Joe Biden's programs. I, I had to do all these presentations, y'all. Just the information is just like slapping me in the face right now. But so anyway, so the the Women's Act, Google it. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you Google it. So um, Joe Biden's program to help women with domestic violence it kind of trickled into all the different states, and so uh, now you know city governments, counties. There's money pretty much at every level of government for victims of domestic violence. Mm. So, you know, going to an agency, a nonprofit is probably the easiest step because you're gonna be able to get a case manager. Right. If you're not ready to press charges, they can kind of guide you through that. I mean, the place I worked, we had victims. I, I had male victims, I had female victims. I had people that had, you know, actually prosecuted, that didn't prosecute, right. um, that the, the abuse happened years ago and they were just still traumatized from it and wanted right. to really talk about it. And that's the best thing I think about domestic violence places is because, you know, you don't have to be going through it right now, but even if you've gotten through it on your own, you still might need that therapy to really just process it and be open to new relationships because, it can be very traumatic. Um, and then as far as like the court system, you got protection orders. It's different from a, a restraining order because it is police enforceable, whereas a restraining order is civil. Uh -huh. So, you know, sometimes there are issues with uh, protection orders as far as like, gotta have the document. But again, working with the organization is gonna help you get that, you know, those social workers, those therapists are gonna help you know the game and know how to make the system work for you because again it's still very difficult to get process you know get people put away to get people to follow through with what the court says um but there's a lot of help out there especially in a, in a big city like dallas but most large cities have multiple organizations so. okay okay genesis i can think of one genesis we have like, only think of, only can think of one <laughs> family place oh yeah, yeah family place family yeah, place yeah, genesis yeah. uh hope's door brighter tomorrows i mean they're like in plain sight, but they're hidden at the same time okay. because of that safety issue. So what does domestic violence program do? Okay, so like I mentioned, you know, helping with case management, therapy, uh, some of it's court ordered, like the battering intervention groups I used to mm -hmm. do. Um, and that was like one of the most life-changing experiences of my life, uh, sitting in a room with, you know, eight to 12 men who had been abusive. And I've done groups with women as well. The women's groups were about four or five people. It wasn't as big. Okay. Um, and not every, some were same sex, some were uh, heterosexual. So it was a very wide range uh, in the women's groups. But in the men's groups, I mean, you had people at every level where, you know, they might've, they might've actually been the victim, but because they're male and they retaliated, yeah. they got in the group all the way to, you know, chronic, every relationship they've ever had. <laughs> Yeah. you know abusive so um helping the abusers helping the children because again children are victims as well if they witness something even if it's just verbal arguments all the time it still it changes their brain structure it changes how they behave and so having therapy for them to process what they saw what they experienced is is, is something that uh agencies do as well so i know we spoke about with the with the women's um where we can find help for women mm -hmm. um but now it, you know it's changing with the same sex and you know male men are becoming victims as well so mm -hmm. right, what are the resources for male victims in domestic well, violence typically i know new beginnings like i said we opened our doors to anyone so male or female 
Um, I worked with a male client for about eight months, and uh-huh. uh, you know, it took me about three months just to get any, <laughs> like, for him to like really actually tell me what happened to him. Right. But um, I don't know of any like specific organizations just off the top of my head that are only for men. But I know like the Resource Center of Dallas, which is one of the gay lesbian uh uh providers of, of support in the area they usually have groups or pro- they have some support for uh, domestic violence victims that are specifically okay. uh in same-sex relationships or um you know uh, lgbtq relationships okay. and um but yeah it now with someone like genesis that has women's shelter in the name right probably not gonna be able to get help for a male but if it has a generic name then you're most likely going to be able to get the same support it just may be you know a lot of feminine energy because a lot yeah. of women are in the social services but I was lucky to have a male supervisor at the time, so um, and a lot of the battery intervention group leaders are male, so it's kind of interesting that you know it's it's very gendered in some ways, but the more we work together, the easier it is to see people as just people and not really make it about gender per se. But there are some people in the field that you know they really just see it as a women's problem. I've, I've had people tell me, I can't believe you work with those people, the batterers. Oh, wow. I was like, but they're people. But they're people. <laughs> they're yeah. men, they're fathers, they're, you know, people with jobs, people that work in your community that have good reputations that need to address this bad behavior. So, you know, it's very easy to judge people in these relationships. Oh, you're dumb. Oh, you shouldn't have done it. Or, you know, it couldn't have been me, but you really can't judge anybody. Yeah. Uh, Cause love is a very powerful emotion. It is like a drug. And yeah. you, believe that you love this person you know love is supposed to cover all wounds and cover all flaws but it doesn't you know yeah love is respect yeah and so how you value yourself and how you allow somebody else to value you is the most important thing amen sister okay <laughs> so is help available for abusers who want to stop and can abusers change well yes and yes so like i mentioned those battering intervention groups again those are typically you know given to people that have you know been prosecuted but the group that I used to work for um when Nathaniel Smith shout out to my LPC supervisor Nathaniel Smith um he had a private practice and so he would have the court order guys and guys who would just come in and know they had a problem either wanted to preempt before the courts got involved or they really just wanted help. They really right. wanted to change. So right. it's possible. I did the groups for about two years and I saw so much progress. Oh, wow. Uh, I saw men really talk about their traumas as children, which kind of added to their abusive behavior and how they felt about women in those, um, you know, heterosexual relationships, how they felt about um, themselves. Huh. And a lot of it was like not even understanding like what feminism is in a real way and like why do women want to have equality? Yeah. Like, <laughs> We did a lot of work on just changing their attitudes and their beliefs to where they could change themselves. So it's possible, but they have to be committed to it. Because I've had plenty of people drop out the group, too. Um, and they ended up going to jail. And that was the consequence for their behavior. So it's possible. you got to have hope, even as the abusive person. You know, acknowledging the problem is the first step. Tiffany, this was a really great interview. Oh, thanks. You make me want to specialize in domestic abuse. If you can do it in your career at some point, I mean, give it a couple of years because it's easy to get marked out. Because, you yeah. know, again, I didn't date, uh, didn't date much during those years. <laughs> I had maybe one boyfriend and we broke up about every three months because uh, I was just like, you mean abusive. <laughs> Which he was not. He was not abusive. But, uh, you know, the red flags just made me really anxious and I just had to like... Right. I didn't want it to turn into something that it wasn't. So, right. So it's it, it can be a, a hard field, but I learned so much about just people and what people need. And, right. You know, love is love is so important, but love is respect. And if you can get that Man. in your head, you'll always have the kind of love you want in your life. I think so too. Well, Tiffany, I want to say. Um, Thank you um, for interviewing with the Help Show, which, you'll put, you know, we're going to be talking just a second, just a second. <laughs> but I want to say thank you guys for listening to the Help Show, and please stay tuned. Today's podcast music is produced by Davian Abney Music. To get your very own custom beats, email at DavianAbneyMusic at gmail.com. That's D-A-V-I-O-N-A-B-N-E-Y-M-U-S. I see at gmail.com. So, Nyetta, what did you think of your interview with Kim? Amazing! <laughs> it was really good. You know, sometimes, like, what I learned about these different interviews, 
especially when it's a topic like domestic violence, how strong a person really is. It takes a lot of courage to come out and say, you know what, I was abused. This is who I was, it's not who I am. Um, I'm very proud of Kim. I think she's an, a phenomenal woman. I think she's absolutely amazing. I think she's like a superwoman. I'm like, girl, where your cape at? All right. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that what she's doing for her um, nonprofit is incredible. You know, we did talk about the economical factor, the psychological, the sexual, and the stalking. You know, when we when I interviewed you for the show, and and her nonprofit pretty much covers it all. You know, she has a part in her nonprofit where the economical with with people with your finances. What I did learn, you know, talking to Kim and, and she said that she she didn't have to deal with the the financial part because she was very well off. Um, she, she did well, but she, you know, she thought about other women that are not. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you have people abuse your credit. Oh, yeah. You have people, you can't get credit. They won't because let they you. Because they ruined it. Or, or they you know, ruined it. evicted from apartment complexes yeah. because of the fighting. You know, so much can happen. So I'm so, like, that's something, even as working, as someone that's worked in uh, a nonprofit, we did very little. You know, she has experts that come help with that. And that's like right. a you know, a really great benefit that her program provides. Right. And, and I didn't think about it as far as, like, someone forcing you, someone forcing you to obtain a loan. Yeah. Or to forcing you to, um, to, like, get your own, your own credit, open up accounts. Like, I, you know, I yeah, never... get credit cards in the name of, even if it's a married couple. I mean, it's very easy for a husband to get a credit card or a wife to get a credit card in their partner's name and not tell them about it and spend it up and... You know, it's, it's very easy to do because of the law. And I didn't think about that as a form of abuse. And then also, she, she was there. She was also talking about how sometimes they don't even want you to have credit. Mm-hmm. They don't even want you to have like don't have a, a, you can't have your own bank account. You can't have oh, no. anything on your own because they that control that power you spoke about. They want to possess that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, because they know money is a way to escape. Money is money is power. Money upward mobility is you know a way somebody can gain independence. And if they have control over that. I mean, there are some there's some really great programs out there that I mean, if a woman is like ends up being homeless or has to go to a shelter, the shelter right. will start an account for them. Right. They'll you know it's called transitional housing where they right. you know give them somewhere to live. They you know they want them to work, but then they'll have an account where they just throw that a little bit and they're in the program two years and everything that they saved right. those two years they get to take with them. So That's really I mean, good. I feel like her program is even like an accelerated version because. Again, she's going through and looking at their credit and just giving them opportunities to start right, over. Right, to really start over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think about from the economical, um, economical um, perspective is that think about the celebrities that, um, that how can I say this? Think about the women that date these celebrities and now they're in this bubble where they're so accustomed to living a certain type of life mm-hmm. that is a certain type of abuse because now the economical power with not having things in your name with living a certain lifestyle mm-hmm. with all those and things. the access that that person's name gives yes uh, we've seen i mean we've seen what about I, hate fabulous. Pick, I hate to pick yeah, fabulous, fabulous and emily b yeah yeah he's been charged and i mean we saw their relationship on one of the reality shows and could even just see the verbal abuse that happened in that relationship and right. it's, it's just it's mind-blowing i mean i was kind of a fan of his in the early 2000s so it, it, it's disheartening but i just hope he's at the point now where he's accepting it and not so much like blaming the victim because that's right. what happens more and, and the question I, 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 if I could ever sit down with her, would be, why did you stay? Because it, because it does, ju- it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't like one day slap you and they, oh, no, it's I'm probably been happening over years and right. years. Because they years. tear down the self esteem, they tear down the self worth right. enough to where being hit is not shocking. Because I mean, think about it, those words hurt just as much as a slap sometimes, if not more. Because you can repeat those words in your mind, but you can heal from a slap. Black eyes can heal. Right. But, uh, you know, what you believe about yourself and your inner... The psychological Self-talk, yeah. psychological abuse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That can be um, more damaging than a lot of things because, and, it, you know, depression and substance abuse. And, and the other question I have that, I, that I'm so curious about, other people have to know. They have to know. Yes and no. It just depends. Because think about it, isolation is a wedge in that power control wheel. Isolation is a tool Correct. that abusers use to keep the people that love and care about it and would try to help the victim out. 
you know, and they have all the Kim control. said that Kim said that in one yeah yeah and she said you know around that time he she was being abused so heavily she just she started gaining weight and she said she gained over 300 pounds mm. wow. you know and so it's just it, it just kind of the people around her saw her gain this weight but no one truly said hey Kim something's going on something's going what's going on because even if it wasn't abuse, I mean, you know, weight gain is a sign of a lot of other mental health issues like depression or right. anxiety. Right. Um, but first, it was obvious that she was using food to cope and using food to, to feel better or feel some sense of control. And so even if they had no idea, just asking someone, how are you doing and really listening can right. just, you know change somebody's life you just never know you never know it'd be crazy that's wild i mean she's a like you said a phenomenal woman and you know just like when we talk about mental health talking about domestic violence is also one of those taboo things and you know october we chose it for october because it is domestic violence awareness month and i mean but i didn't know it was gonna be this close to home yeah but with donna it's it just takes it to a whole other level it, it does like you always when I went to her, she had like a candlelight service, mm-hmm. and why every everyone spoke so so greatly of Donna. She was when I mean amazing, an amazing person. She would be your friend and know what you like. You'd be like, girl, you know I like that. You know she was so she listened. She listened. She was in tune of who you who you were, and she, even she, with the anger of what her, her baby, her her legacy that giving people a place and understanding that anger needs a place to go right uh even if it's you know upon a computer <laughs> yeah like office space y'all remember that movie and like anytime i you know think about her contribution to just mental health advocacy in that sense like she never claims like it's not therapy but it can't be therapeutic can, most definitely Those are two different things right most definitely yeah so we just we just send our prayers to her family yes and to her children and all her friends yeah, because she friends. touched a lot of lives. She, she touched, touched a lot, lot of lives. And I mean, just so we can tie it into our year of the arts, just know that every year, domestic violence agencies have all kinds of artistic uh, ways to express right. um, and, and raise awareness about the lives lost. I remember in my time as a, a community educator, every year I would coordinate something called a, the Clothesline Project and then the Candlelight Vigils, like you were mentioning. Right. And one year, uh, we were based in Garland. We took chalk and we wrote every name of every woman in Texas that was killed the previous year mm-hmm. and just like the sheer number and just seeing all those names and seeing their ages yeah um just seeing how domestic violence touches people all over the state all right. over the country. all ages and then the close my project yeah. is something that uh, people would do to kind of write about what happened you know they'll write their story or they'll draw pictures just talking about even children a lot of children would participate we would have shirts for kids so they would kind of write you know about the drama in their home you'd see pictures and so just know that art is also part of this movement and people having a visual way to show the pain that they've endured and again they are survivors we try not to say victim we say they've been victimized but if they're still with us they're survivors most definitely and if we lose them you know they they lost the battle but they're still survivors most definitely so guys, um, we're going to end the show um, with um, "We Love You, Donna." I mean, we do love you, Donna. And we want to end with, you know, whoever is out there listening to the Help Show, you know, if you need help, like don't, like don't be afraid to go out there and, and get some help with if someone's abusing it's you. It's free. It Every, is free. Any place that's going to do domestic violence work is not going to cost you a thing. It's not. It's going to cost some courage. And just know their their goal is to keep you safe as possible. Safety is number one. Um, and most places will not say you need to leave for us to help you. That's not that definitely wasn't our philosophy because we understand how hard it is to leave. And you gotta have a plan. A safety plan is yes. so important. So put that in, yeah, put that together. Your safety, safety plan. plan. Yeah, talk yes. to someone. There are safety plans online. But if you you know use that hotline and really talk to someone that can can help you through it because it is a process. It is. It is. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Help Show. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please leave comments. We really want to know what you think. For more information and to donate, please visit our website at thehelpshow.org. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned. Also, if you know someone that needs help or even if you need help, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number again is 1-800-799-7233.
podcast is produced by Nayeta Reynolds, Tiffany Lindley, and Davian Abney. Special thanks to our help show team, Kate Blackstone, Roxanne Raphael, our board members, Aaron Augustine, Michelle McCamey, and Zach Reynolds. <laughs>